0: let's talk about healing hope and the possibility of afterlife as we all will go through some kind of loss at one point in our life and we will need help to get through it even if you don't think you do we're here to help you find your life at the end of the
1: tunnel whether it's a dream a visit a vision or a newfound life after loss we believe life and love never dies This is Surviving Death and Dying with Trisha and Misty. When you're dealing with the loss of someone you love, hearing stories with evidence that life goes on just helps ease that pain. And we know it doesn't get rid of the pain, but it definitely helps ease the pain. And I'm thrilled to introduce our guest today, one of the most loving souls I've ever met. As a podcaster with her own podcasts and plural, I did say podcasts and YouTube channel, she shares her gifts as a spiritual teacher, an empathic channel, a multidimensional medium, certified hypnotherapist, and animal telepath.
2: Trisha Carr, welcome, and thank you for coming to our show. Thanks for having me. This is really a beautiful work that you are giving to the world. So thank you for this, for all of us. Thank you.
0: I just want to say, Misty and I started this podcast to help people um, heal from grief uh, by talking about the afterlife and all the mysterious topics that go along with it. I'm sure you have tons of stories, but would you mind starting by telling us about a
2: personal experience with death? Sure. Well, you know, I do, I do suffer the most grief, uh, the deep deepest grieving processes that I go through are for the animal family members that I lose. But I will say, having said that, um, my father passed on and I have some I had a really um, fascinating and profound and existential experience around my father's passing. And, you know, beyond that, I i have it's I have I have this pattern and coming on to getting ready to come on to this podcast this morning. I was talking with Spirit, and Spirit just kind of showed me that I have a pattern with humans thus far in my life at almost forty-eight years old, where the humans who I have lost, they are people that I have been close with. We had either a very close relationship or were family, but there's a big gap where that relationship isn't active, and then they pass. So that's that's an interesting pattern that has come. But my mm-hmm. animals who are you know, my absolute body, <laughs> that, uh, you know, those relationships are very active when these beings have moved on. Um, so anyway, yeah, we could start which what do you what would you like me to talk about the, the deeper grieving processes with my animals or the fascinating ones with <laughs> my dad and these other people? It's interesting that your first
1: response in dealing with grief, and I took that as what you struggle with the most, you mentioned being your pets, and it's almost like what you're saying is that you're, you're more at peace with the humans you've lost. And I'm, I'm wondering before we talk about just how you actually dealt with the emotional grief of losing someone you love, but if it's with the, the family that you've lost, you just feel like your relationship with
2: them has changed. Is that what you mean? I wasn't sure. I really understood yeah. what you meant by the gap. Okay. Well, so for example, with my father, uh, my father passed away in 2016. And so the way that our relationship went, my, um, my family, I come from a lot of abuse and trauma and my father was a, a violent alcoholic. So my mother and I left him when I was 11. And then then I saw him for a couple of years, you know, visiting, but from age 13 to 19, I didn't see him at all. And then I had one visit with him at age 19. And then from 19 to 39, I didn't see him at all or speak with him. So then the last couple of years of his life, two or three years of his life, my uh, I went to visit him. My husband met him after we got married. We'd already been together almost 10 years. My husband actually met my father for the first time. And so I, the last couple of years of his life, I visited him three or four times. I got to actually see him a few times. So that's what I mean. Like, we, I didn't have an active relationship oh, with right. him. And honestly, when I spent those few times with him, I just saw him completely as a human. You know what I mean? Like, the the things that, you know, the, the pieces of me that I lost because of the trauma, I'm still working on that as a grieving right. process as well. But it really doesn't feel attached to my dad anymore because of the you know the relationship not really being activated so when he passed it was mostly existential but it wasn't about the loss of someone that you have in your life all the time that you're reaching for in a way he was already gone from me but there's there's this whole other thing about a piece of me ancestry that is so close to me Uh, you know I'm a piece of his body and it was no longer on this plane of existence and I felt that very strongly in addition to the fact that uh, I mean there's a whole story around that that I'm sure we would love to get into but that uh, we'll save that for a moment that's what I mean by the gap in the relationship so yes in a sense there was already peace in the relationship then there is another person who just passed away about three weeks ago and this was someone that I went to high school with and and we were Pretty. We were very close in the same friend group, and then the two years after high school, we actually lived together, but I haven't seen or spoke to her for 28 years, and she just passed away. So once again, it's not someone who's active in my life. I didn't even right. know how to get yeah. in touch with her. She was someone who wasn't right. even on social media, but I did have some... I had some disturbed dreams. I had some visitations from her. I had her coming to me and telling me to tell these other friends that she's okay. You know, I had some stuff around it, but it's not like the same kind of loss when you lose someone. It's someone that I love, but it's not someone who's in an active part of my life. So those are the the people, the humans that have passed in my life, it's like there's a gap in the relationship. They've been gone out of my life for like 10, 20 more years. And that's when they pass. Mm -hmm. So, I get it. And the yeah. pets are with you every mm-hmm. day. So that yes. is immediately
1: affecting yeah. your daily life. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, and and so that's where your hurt has been. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, talk a little bit about when you, you know, that feeling and how you are able to pick yourself up and push forward.
2: Yeah. Well, and you know, they're, they're all different, uh, different experiences. And my, um, empathy to people who've had many different losses of any kind, because I'm sure there's similarities. And then of course, just like any relationship they're they have their own unique experience. Um, the thing that about I don't know, I think you go through this, even with humans that you are on the same level of, ex- of um, I don't know, guardianship, like you're not, you're not their guardians. It's not like, a a parent losing their child that's the worst thing imaginable i think it's it feels the most unnatural to humans but losing an animal i think it feels similar and i i'm not a parent of human beings but other people who are parents of human beings who love their animals who lose their animals have told me yeah it feels obviously not the same (laughs) (laughs) we can't really equate it i mean but still it's it's really devastating um And so there's, there's that element to it is that I'm their guardian and so there is this, this quality that seems to be that comes around is guilt um and you know like one of them who passed my cat aramis he he was old i mean you know it wasn't like i i can't logically say i did anything wrong but there but it's also just looking over his life and saying wait when i lived in that apartment did he have enough space oh wait was i did i work too much during this you know when he was five years old like all of these things but it's attached to of course his life and just the role of being a guardian but somehow gets triggered by when i'm going through a new round of grieving losing him and i have dreams about him and the dreams are visitations of course and um so there's just these different layers of it so how how i how i went on i guess the the first major loss i had and i'm in a cycle of grieving this animal as well was my dog who was a poodle and his name was peppy (laughs) and i had him from about age eight to age 16. I know 15 or 14 doesn't really matter the point is that and how there's there's an unrequited kind of un you know lack of closure about that one too because the way that peppy was lost to us was that uh, we had just moved to a new house and it was right at the fourth of july the gate wasn't very secure fireworks he was scared he ran Mm -hmm. off we never we don't know what happened to him and so see even though i was only 14 Mm -hmm. years old i'm like why didn't I know that fireworks spook dogs and that he should right, be inside yeah. the house you know like of course that's uh, you there's no right. point in doing that but you know um that hurts and I and then I think about and know you know I had him from age eight I'm like I remember like teasing him one time and laughing at him because he got scared of something and you know I don't know <laughs> dumb things yeah, like that right. but I miss him so very much and um And I I do have dreams about him as well visitations from him and he helps me in my work as an animal communicator uh, as do all of my animals who are past Um, they show up and they help me so with that I mean it was just I don't know there's with with Aramis who was the cat that I was talking about at first there was something about I think a part of the grieving process with some of the losses starts before they're gone because if there's an illness yeah and um that prolonged illness that it's the dying can be more painful than the death and you find yourself in this period of of sort of wishing that it, you know want looking forward to it being over yet not because but at the same time the suffering that goes along with the process of dying and this what we would assume might be suffering or just the anxiety of it mm-hmm. uh, when it's inevitable is really difficult and then when he's finally gone there was the moment he he was his body was he he his soul was not really present or attached to his body anymore there was barely any life force attached to it and i had i took him to the vet hoping that they would give him subcutaneous fluids because i wanted him i wanted to bring him bring the the euthanasia doctor nurse to the home but uh, th- th- I couldn't get an appointment for a day or two. So I took him to the vet saying, can you give him some some fluids and then I'll take him back home and then we can, you know, release him tomorrow or the next day. And the vet just looked at me with so much compassion and kind of gestured to my cat on the table and his body was all like crumpled and distorted. Like it was not lying in a position that a cat would be comfortable in. And she's like, he's he's no longer here even. And I just kind of saw him through that objectivity. And I was like, Yeah, you're right. She's like, it's not going to matter. You know, I I really don't think it'll matter if you take him home, he's not even present anymore. And so when, um, you know, we I, I got down and, and was looking in his eyes as they gave him the three stages of medicine. And when she just gave him the sedative, which is the first thing they give him, poof, he was gone. And I felt him leave. And I said, he's he's gone. And then she gave him the couple of other shots that they do but when she picked him up and put him over her shoulder to take him out and I saw how lifeless his body was and it still hurts (laughs) and you know it destroyed me that is I could no longer experience our love and our relationship by his body through his body right and that's the adjustment is being able to put the love in in the place that it is now truly which is without the physical form and yet somehow i don't know be okay with the fact that yeah i miss his physical body and that's how our love started was by knowing him physically right and so um how i went on was i went to work and i drove a lot at that time and so i would get in the car between appointments and i would scream crying i, mean, I just was seriously like let it out <laughs> yeah. i mean it was like it sounded like a right. horror film in my car and <laughs> I get yeah. to the next appointment, and I was like, "I'm just going to tell them I have allergies or something, so they don't yeah. have to like regard the fact that my face looks like. I got hit <laughs> right. and right. then um waking up in the night, spontaneously crying i'd be I would be crying before I knew I, before I was awake.
0: Wow. um
2: and so it's like, uh, like with alcoholism, one day at a time,, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, 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 I, I was right there because I just recently lost my one of my dogs as yeah. well, and he was sick, and exactly the same thing that same day you can see it in his eyes and his body. He was no longer with us. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I have to let him go. And it's, that's the most difficult part of it all of letting the actual body of itself
1: go. Yeah. And it's something we have to push through. And it's interesting that you have a couple of ways that you would do that besides your crying and having the dream visitations, uh, you mentioned you do a couple other things. One is a Hawaiian
2: yeah, method, <laughs> sure. And I don't mean to. I just want to contextualize it too, because uh, I'm a white lady, and we have to be concerned about appropriating. And this is definitely not my intention. So I don't own this technique, technique, but it is universal. It is divine, and it it is it's beyond any uh, any culture, I think. And um, so far as I understand, all of the Hawaiians, and I have. Close friends who are are genuinely ethnic Hawaiians it's sort of like the how generous Indians are with the chakra system you know they they do okay yeah right. they they are happy because it's it's it belongs to God but anyway uh, Ho'oponopono is uh, sometimes it's it's called a prayer but it's even more than that it's really a way that you negotiate and come to a forgiveness resolution and it's just a deep and profound healing practice. It can be summed up into four phrases. I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. And for example, this would be done between family members or between families or tribes where they come together to find a resolution and they, they work through these phrases with all of the honesty and all of the colors that they could possibly generate. I'm sorry, like what is I'm sorry? And, and bringing all of that to the table. And mm. that is something I work through and honestly, I do that sometimes with myself. For example, when I'm saying that I have guilt that I'm working through in tandem, in order to even get to my grief, I have to go through guilt when it comes yeah. to being yeah. a guardian. Mm-hmm. And so I start with in my meditation in sort of my my tr- my induced state to be in the healing position. And I start with a holograph or an image of myself and I speak to myself and I talk to myself about, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I I blame you for not being there when Aramis was five years old and you worked too much. I'm sorry that I blame you for that. Please forgive me. Thank you. Thank you for actually being a fantastic guardian. As people tell me, but that cat probably had the best life of ever. Yes. Thank you for being a, a great guardian to him. Also, thank you for bringing up your concerns about whether or not I was a good guardian. Thank you for bringing that up. Thank you for bubbling that up to the surface so I can accept myself more and also learn from it and become a better guardian now. And then I love you. And I love you for the experience, all of it, because it's what is making me more human. It's building my character. It's making me more who I am. But you can also do it with the loved one because parts of the you're just working the grieving process. There's anger. And sometimes sometimes we get angry when we're metaphysically minded. We might get angry at the soul. Why did you choose to leave? Right. You know, higher self of the one that I love. Why did you take away my loved one? And so being able to find somehow letting that out, like not just like bypassing it because it seems like a a childish or a gross thing to feel. It's it's there and it wants to he wants to nurture us in some way so getting through those emotions and so ho'oponopono is a it's a magical <laughs> process it's it's an mm-hmm. incredible process if you're ever interested there is a story about there's a book written by uh i think his name is joe Vitali, if i'm recalling but he wrote it about a doc dr hugh lin who was a psychologist who worked in a wing of a prison that was for the criminally insane and it's amazing. He just went into his office every day. These people who, they lost staff. They, they, they were written off entirely because of how, un, how sick these people were. But he went to his office every day and looked at their profiles, just looked at their pictures, and did ho'oponopono with these people. And it started mm. to get back. He didn't even meet with anyone. Wow. And the whole space changed. I mean, I'm summing it up like yeah, miracles. Yeah. Like they're saying like right. paint wouldn't stay on the wall. That's how toxic that environment was. Wow. But they they started the, the fight started to diminish they started to improve the environment i mean it's 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 one of the most magical healing modalities yeah that available. sounds
0: amazing
2: mm-hmm. i, I want to re- go into more about that that'd be great read the book or even just read an article about dr uh Hugh lin and you know that will get you excited about it yes wow
0: and how did you get into all this the spirituality how did you get into everything
2: um losing my animals honestly <laughs> it is well so there's another animal who i lost and it was my my cockatiel her name is shale Shalebird, and she this was a different way you know peppy he we lost him aramis died of elderly elderly concerns you know just diseases that an elderly cat would get and my shale bird died of an accident when i wasn't home um mm. cockatiels have they they particularly have this this thing called night frights uh, it's it's I think it's honestly it's an evolutionary stopgap because I think that they're very prolific and so they do this in nature as well as if you know they live in domesticity and they if they don't have very good night vision so if they if there's a sight or a sound that kind of just, just startles them they just start flying and mm-hmm. they do this in nature and they they bang their heads on trees and you know and mm-hmm. they either get eaten by predators because they fell out of the tree or they, not, they bust their head open. And so that's what she did. She busted her head open having a night fright when I wasn't home. And, you know, again, the, the guilt. But obviously I can't be home every every dark hour. And it's, right. it's not even like, even if I leave a light on, they can still get a night fright because it's dark. It's still nighttime, you know. It still is dark enough.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So... um I came home and um, she was lying on the floor dead and, and it just like, and then the, the, the horror scream started immediately. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, so with Shalebird, I was really, um, I, I put her first in a box in my armoire and it was going to take me two or three days to be able to bury her. And those three days I was in the fourth dimension. <laughs> I was like, when I which is the place that we are when you know the first stage after disconnecting the soul from the body and then we move on through the light as it's usually described and um i was there looking for her and at night i was waking up and i genuinely believed that somehow she was in i was almost like mental illness i woke up one night thinking that i made a mistake she's not dead she's actually trying to get out this was after two days in a box in my armoire but i was so my astral seeking for her was so activated that I was actually then seeking for her in the physical. So that was an interesting experience. And then when Aramis, the cat who I've been talking about passed, well, that was the first time that I had an animal communication session was when Aramis was sick. And I just thought, well, maybe this will just be a comfort to me, but it was very evidential. And I was like, oh, wow, that you can't make this up. She couldn't even see him. And she was telling me characteristics about him, like the 12 little white hairs on his black nose right here. And she didn't see a picture of him. She didn't know, you know? Wow. Anyway, after that, I don't even remember saying this, but my husband said after that appointment that I said to him, I mean, I could do that. I know exactly what she's doing. And I don't remember saying that at all. But when he, those last few days where it's like, he's not eating, maybe he eats a little bit and you're on that edge of, when do you do, when do you make the decision? Right. And it was one of those last days and he was really dehydrated. And so I, I went to pick up his weak little body and I put him back in my arms like a baby and I had a syringe of water just you know to give him some hydration and I went and squeezed it into his mouth and he had hardly any strength, but he shook his head as hard as he could and he was blind, but actually that was one of the things that was going wrong. He looked directly into my eyes and I felt him say with my whole body, no more, it's over. Wow. And I felt it like it was as clearly as he had said it with his mouth, but somehow more clearly, because it went into all of the cells of my body. And that's when I, I decided then, okay, well, I'm gonna call the vet to bring him here. You know, and then I went through that panic, but it, that's his, that was his last day. He told me to, to stop. Wow. That's what triggered a lot of it. That really was the trigger of, because previous to that, I wasn't into spirituality in that regard, not, not in the psychic arts or anything. That's what I was wondering, because you're so gifted and talented with
1: spirituality and mediumship and everything. I was wondering if it was something that showed itself as a child, but you're saying it really started when your cocktail passed. And that
2: was a while ago, 14 years? Actually, it did show up when I was a kid. Uh, They called them my imaginary friends. (laughs) (laughs) And it turns out that one of my imaginary friends who reintroduced her school, one of my when i was had my awakening and then i was like i want to meet my spirit guides and i was in my own meditation and a spirit guide presented herself to me told me her name and then eventually told me that she was little mama was the name of one of my imaginary friends one of my little mama <laughs> 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 she told me i was i'm little mama and i was like what like all in my meditation and i was like that's weird but then i also somewhere along those lines was spontaneously sort of wanted to look at my ancestry which i didn't know anything about like i literally had to ask a cousin what is the name of our grandfather even i didn't even know his first right. name because it's like kind of a messed up broken family and um i found out that my great grandmother's name was the name that she gave me but she actually gave me all of the it was like her name is actually lilia but I was journaling all these different names. She was telling me Lee, Lili, Layla, Lilia, Lily. and so I was like, "I'm yeah. just going to call you Lili." You know, right. I don't know. And I found census records with all of those names on them because they would wow. write them, they'd misspell them, or they it was they'd use her nickname. So I yeah, the mediumship was online when I was a little kid. We just called them imaginary friends, and you know, and right. I had other ones, but also. I mean it's just like you don't know how other people experience things so exactly there are all these other experiences where i literally would just say oh talking about an animal oh well he says blah 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 and it didn't seem unusual to me you know he oh he says and he and i think people also not really thinking about it as a psychic skill or a psychic art i didn't it didn't occur to me you know it was never i was never Exposed to the paradigm of it being a psychic skill, so it was always online to some degree. I just didn't necessarily have it developed consciously for a certain time.
1: Are you familiar with Sonia Fitzpatrick, animal communicator? I don't think so. She had on Animal Planet a couple of shows. She was the pet psychic. I worked on one of those shows in my early early production days. Okay, and that was that was fun. I got to book the guests, (laughs) and I did wonder. How much do they want us to find out from the guests? And I have my notes and get I never spoke with her. She meditated before she came out. She came out, she did her thing. I could even see in my notes of like, oh, wow, she got that. She got that, you know, and that was pretty cool. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: No, but that's really fascinating that you did kind of have signs, but you mentioned then you had an awakening because we all go off and we have to focus Mm -hmm. on our physical life and not get distracted with our eternal life, obviously, but you had your awakening. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious to know, did you always believe that life went on or there was an afterlife
2: or was this something that evolved? Mm, That's a good question. Well, so when I was a kid and up until uh, early adulthood, my spiritual development came by way of the church. And it wasn't actually by my family. My, my mother was actually traumatized by her exposure to fire and brimstone, damnation, dogma, religion. So she avoided church and all of the subjects because it just made her think, it just reminds me that I'm going to hell because that's what she was taught. Mm-hmm. So when I was 11, I started going to church and like riding my bike or going with a friend's family. And so I had my very own journey of spiritual seeking and the only paradigm that was around me that presented itself as, uh, you know, as a kid in the 80s in Texas was Christian church. And it was like, I went to the first Baptist church of Saginaw. It was like the least charismatic, least, uh, you know, kind of most boring church ever. But I actually had a light body activation when I was baptized, you know, so it's like that's a that I did have spiritual development and then then the church itself and you know I I always used to say the problem with church is that there are people there and (laughs) it's also the great thing about church but you know the the church and the the dogma and the superstition and the confusion and everything started to like not work for me anymore so I left when I was 19 20. I probably backslid a little bit because I missed some of the things about it but meanwhile I prayed in the same way so I guess you know like during the Christian church time, by the way, I had mediumship experiences then too, like okay. having entities sit on my bed with me and my cat looking at the entity at the same time. And I was like, okay, I'm going to say that's Jesus because I can accept that. <laughs> <Right>. yeah, <exactly. laughs> I'm okay with it being Jesus. Yes, it's okay. If it's Jesus, that'd be yeah. me. Nothing uh, bad. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I still prayed. Uh, and, and I I was like, even though I own everything that was real, I, from my spiritual development with the church. I own my relationship with Jesus. I own my relationship with God and I own my relationship with Holy Spirit. I, I feel all of that. So there was something that was influenced by the church that some, you know, whatever those stories and narratives are. I don't know how I felt about some of that. You know what I mean? I was like, okay, you know what I mean? Like that's that I really do genuinely I'd be like, okay. And then there was like one denomination that I went to. It was called seventh day adventism and they actually believe that you go into the grave and your consciousness basically goes dormant until the resurrection so they they believe that people are offline when they're in the grave until jesus returns and i was like okay maybe yeah i mean maybe that makes as much sense to me as the other thing and then somewhere when i let go of all of that stuff somewhere around in my 20s and i would see things like psychic shows or mediums and stuff and i was like yo they're having they don't seem crazy and they don't seem like liars. So maybe they just have some sensitivities that I don't truly understand. What do I know about this whole big universe? So I was like, kind of like it made sense, but when my animals passed, that's when I realized, well, if nothing else, the unconditional love of our relationship is still alive. So somehow there is an aliveness here. And I don't, again, I don't know what that means, but we'll see. Right. And you, you say you do a lot of prayer. I mm-hmm.
0: listened to one of your, your podcasts podcast um, last night, and you said oh, you yes. had one of your cats is a prayer warrior with you. Mm-hmm. How did you find out about all that? That is so interesting.
2: Talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking yeah. to them. Yeah, uh, talking to them. Well, actually, Aramis, my the kitty, who's uh, the the sh- star of the show with the with the passing on and everything. Um, I remember him telling the animal communicator that I met with because so he one of his symptoms was he had a he had a, a, a lesion he had a tumor that was pressing against his optical nerve so his sight was almost completely gone but he had this as I think a lot of beings do whether they're animal or human kind of an extinguished burst so like toward the end of death the last few days or maybe the day of there's kind of like this big burst of energy of some kind and maybe it doesn't happen all the time but happens sometimes and so he did it was like about a week prior to his passing and he had been barely able to get around or anything he jumped up on the back of the couch which was really narrow so and he hadn't been able to even like feel comfortable getting on the couch because he had recently lost his sight he jumped up on the back you know on this little balance beam and then he walked over to me and looked right into my face and i was like my husband said i'm like I think he can see you know and he was and he was like smiling and again that's something i can feel because animals don't change their faces that much but the animal communicator said that he prayed and asked to be able to have sight just a little bit more for Mm -hmm. a moment or two with me so that was the first time i was like oh that makes sense of course they pray but then yeah just talking to different animals whether they're mine or my clients um you know some animals just like some humans they favor prayer all animals meditate and uh, but yes, one of my uh, a couple of them, really, I'm not sure which I don't sure which one I was talking about in that podcast. Uh, but my little Delilah, she will she will pray if I ask her to. But sometimes if I ask her in the wrong energy, she'll kind of be like, why are you asking me for that? It's like you don't even believe it can happen. So why would I pray for it? Yeah. <laughs> She's a little yeah. sassy. Yeah, it was Delilah. I okay. You yeah. 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 <laughs> She's so direct. She's just like, <laughs> She's like you're not you don't believe it so why would I pray for it like right. believe it first and then I'll add I'll right. add some prayer to it <laughs> and then go. my Barnabas my Barnabas is a really yeah he's he's a healer and and he's uh he's an astral traveler too he traveled to me one time when I was having a panic on an airplane which I rarely have it was just like I mean I don't ever have it was just me empathically picking up someone else's thing and he astral traveled and showed up right in my face again like I could every all but see him with my eyes and I didn't even call him he just showed up and he was like you're coming home to me it's fine and I was like oh okay
0: (laughs) that's the fast that sounds this this plane is not
2: crashing because Barnabas (laughs) says I'm coming home to him (laughs) (laughs) there you go
1: fast forward to today in your belief of what happens to our spirit when we die are do you do you still think there's a possibility we're laying dormant or do you think our spirits are continuing on
2: uh, no, I don't really think there's dormancy that much because any more than it would be in. I mean, how dormant is it when we're alive and attached to a body? We yeah. go to sleep sometimes, so that's true. There's, I mean, there's stages of of moving on on a, what I call our path of light. So when we mm-hmm. first disconnect the silver cord from the body, we're just a same thing without a body. So we still right. and we can move. We just think of something and we can move but that's not Mm -hmm. a place to stay. We have to continue on. That's an, that's a portal. It's an inter between. Mm -hmm. So I guess if you stayed there for a while or beings that do stay there for a while, I think there can be a a bit of a, maybe like a going to sleep energy that you can do sometimes, but it's not the nature of energy to be dormant for a very long time. I mean, tortoises go into hibernation. And so however it could possibly happen, we're talking about the fourth dimension, then maybe there could be some of that. But no, the, the, the thing is, we don't really need sleep the way that we did when we were physical. So right. while the energy has an experience of, of being able to do that, probably, it's still the, the nature of it is, is living, is moving, is uh, yeah. So we would move on to the fifth dimension. And of course, you know, in heaven or the fifth dimension or whatever we want to call it in the afterlife, I mean, they tell me that they go to school. They tell me that they, you know, take dance lessons, you know, that they they talk to philosophers. They could do, you know, obviously they could be spirit guides. They could do all kinds of things. Why couldn't they see what it feels like to sleep, I guess? (laughs) Right. Or alone
1: time or just, yeah. yeah.
2: Solitude, meditation, prayer. Yeah, absolutely. So like maybe having the conscious awareness at a zero point is definitely something that is available. But so far as like the the church that, that believed that, you just go dormant and you're just basic, like you're an, under anesthesia. That's what they kind of mm-hmm. described it like. Anesthesia oh, freaks yeah. me out though. I don't understand it. You, yeah. Have you guys ever been under general anesthesia? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Why? No choice. I mean, I'm seriously, spirit the Spirit tells me, they just like close off the silver cord for a while. And that's, it's. I don't know why we, we figured out how to do that. But the weird thing is, is that we also don't, medicine doesn't really totally understand why anesthesia works. So anyway. Yeah. It's <laughs> like the it's like the silver cord is squeezed off for a little bit. So that's why we don't even experience time the oh, way we do when we are asleep. Wow. It's weird. Cuz yeah, yeah, you just I wake always...
1: up and it feels like 2 minutes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. I always Zours. wondered that too. Freaky, yeah. right? It's yes. freaky. It, it's so, so bizarre. That's what the Seventh Day Adventists kind of describe going into the grave as. It's like you don't you don't feel any time. It's just like you go in the grave and then so it doesn't really matter that you're dormant because to you you're going through the process of ascension fluidly. Right. Got, it. <laughs> Got it.
1: But as a medium, I'm sure when you connect people with their loved ones that have passed on, you do you see a relief and a healing in them to feel like they've been reunited or connected or now they know where that's a big thing. A lot of people want to know where did my loved one go? Where are they?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. So that I, I want to answer that, but it also brings me to like, my own perspective you're asking me like what did I believe before and what did I experience before that always surprised me as a question whether before or after my awakening like are they okay and I'm like what do you mean are they okay like it just seems perfectly right like I anyway um so I guess I always had this kind of fundamental perspective that of course you would just move on and even right like the thing is if if a person didn't move on right away and they're earthbound or ghost as we you know those terms are it's still only a portion of them you know what i mean mm-hmm. it, it's just right. one fraction of them it that is connected to this life so that's why it seems difficult for us
1: mm-hmm. and it
2: is better for that portion to be collected to its full self you know in in heaven uh but yes so your your question is about do my clients feel relief yes actually as uh, just last week i had a second Second time i had an appointment with these, this person, and it's actually a person, and he always brings his daughter with him to speak with his mother. And uh, his mother is very charismatic, and she shows up uh, very evidential and very charismatic and really funny with her humor and everything. And um, and she was actually the one I'm referencing when I say, t- now she's taking dance lessons, is what she was telling us. <laughs> oh, that's cute. And, yeah, and talking to Einstein <laughs> and Clark Gable, and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> by the way i i'm sure that this i'm not giving away their identity who this is and even if uh, i told my friend that i mentioned clark gable she wouldn't i don't I, I don't think i'm i'm infringing on anyone's privacy let me just say that yeah okay. but anyway uh yes the 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 comfort that the i i mean who knows again why this this blonde lady can pull out of the air communication that feels real and evidential to me about my mother I don't know of course that's a comfort of some kind right of course it is yeah. and it feels really amazing because we have our relationship continuing with our loved one it's happening in our heart it's happening in the subtle places of us which was where we had our love for them anyway when we fell in love with him right. however we did it happened in the heart Right. But then to have an objective person, to be able to reflect their personality almost as if they're still with you, it feels pretty wonderful. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I'm just going to go into the past lives. With mm-hmm. that, do you, the reincarnations and everything else, have you had any past lives yourselves?
2: Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that was what some of the, in the awakening process, remembering some past lives really helped me with that because reviewing past life content is Honestly, it's what's so great about it is that you have objectivity about it, yet you also are inspired by it in a way that that is because it, it feels like you because it's always what we're shown are usually things that are pertinent to this life right now that's what we're calling that's what our consciousness is reaching for and. It feel, it's similar to like when you listen to that song comes on the radio and it's just the right song and you're like, <laughs> never mind, yeah. I'll find someone <laughs> like you. Right. you know, and you're just weeping and you're like, yes, that's my yeah. whole life right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and yet it, you have objectivity with it because of the medium of the art. And so, yeah, reviewing past lives is like reviewing a movie that's very personal, that your soul has written and directed and cast, and you, got, you, you have an energy cord with it, and so you can pull in pertinent information. You can also pull in those experiences, and a lot of times the, the, the experiences that you're shown are more heightened version of what you're going through now, so I'm feeling persecuted. So I recall being burned as a witch. But I'm not in this life. I'm never going to be burned as a witch. Well, we never know what's going to happen. <laughs> I know these yeah. days you don't. Facebook is turning on us. No, I'm kidding. I, I <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like it's more yeah, heightened. Yeah. So the heightened, it's just like movies are more dramatic sometimes than our own life. But it helps us to glean from that. But yeah, that literally one of the first lives that I remembered was about being a young woman in uh it's it's like she's french and and italian i can't she's like both i don't know she's way over there right on the border and it's in it's it's in the like late 1700s and she's like 27 years old and single which was enough to make you get burned as a witch (laughs) a single 27 year old woman in those times but she was a medicine woman and she worked with animals and you know and was yeah burned as a witch Wow. And my and my animals were all cast in there as well, like my current life animals and my husband was there and he was my father watching me and so it helped me to release some fears about what happens when I step into my real purpose as a healer. Right. Well, the worst thing that could happen is already happened to me in that life. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Here I am. (laughs) Yeah, you got past that. And you just said that your animals were there with
1: you too. Mm -hmm. And that was something we wondered if you believe that our animals reincarnate
2: with us or reincarnate Mm -hmm. at all. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yes. And animal our animals are like spirit. And here's the thing about reincarnation though, too, is that uh it's not linear so even if you have a strong sense that let's say your father has reincarnated into your nephew you still connect with your father on the other side through that portal and that personality Mm -hmm. as well that's still eternally existing so Mm -hmm. it's it's not as it's not a straight line And yet, you know, there's just all of these energy cords that are connecting us in the way that like I'm connected to past lives. I'm connected to future lives, too. Those are a little harder for us to grasp than past lives are because we understand history. And we, you know, more like Russian nesting dolls because we're we are linearly focused while we're in the body. Um, But yes, my animals and and, you know, people always are curious if animals does a cat is a cat always a cat is, you know, are humans can (laughs) humans be trees or dogs or anything like that? And. (laughs) you know, in case you're wondering or about to ask that. My answer to that is always like, I never want to be so arrogant as to say absolutely yes or absolutely not. I will say that in my experience as an intuitive, as a medium, as an animal communicator, that I have animals reviewing lives as other animals or as humans, vice versa, all over the place. But -hmm. I will also say that we tend to recall or maybe even like connect to future lives that are most relevant to us. So let's say a cat is maybe probably going to, maybe a cat's going to be a cat again, because he's like, I'm working on the cat frequency, you know, (laughs) (laughs) or he's recalling lives as a cat because it's most pertinent to this life. But I've also had like a little Boston Terrier talk to me about being a wolf, which is a totally different kind of canine. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had a tortoise tell me about being a stone, a great stone and his relationship with his current human guardian in that other life where she had a relationship with a stone. She would journal next to the stone. She would hug the stone and feel his vibration. And he was like, I was that stone in that life with her. But you see, and he's like, Well, I have a great passion for the element of earth, so that's why I'm a tortoise now, because it's still an earth-dwelling creature. Um, and I've been a salamander and a snake, and you know what I mean? So it's there's a relevancy line there that he's he was right. telling me about. Yeah, because yeah.
0: I always yeah. thought my cat reincarnated as my one of my dogs that I had, because yeah. they was they almost similar and did the same thing and could jump like my other cat. I could jump. I was like, Are you my cat too? Are you were my cat? <laughs> yeah. And I had that feeling that. She was because like what, after she passed, she actually came and laid down next to me in in my bed after she passed. And I was like, Mm. okay, it was, I could feel that they were both, they were reincarnated as each other. And I was like, wow, that's so amazing to to know that they they get reincarnated too.
2: It's definitely comforting. It is. And we do do it together a lot. uh, I, I would say we're in the same soul group Uh, even I think that animals the ones that are closest to us are probably even coming from the same soul complex like the same oversoul and they really are like extensions of our being extensions of our body and that's why it feels so amazing so close I mean even like with your human children you have to individuate even more than you do with your animals like your animals Your animals, their whole life can walk into your bathroom while you're going, right? Right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We have boundaries with our children at some point. (laughs) Yes, yes. But, you know, they can drive themselves away and our animals are are dependent on us physically for their whole life. And yet also they become our guardians of love and spiritual development because they do surpass us in that they definitely do so it's a really complex and interesting beautiful relationship but yeah definitely if you feel that then i i want to co-sign that that you have Uh your cat being reincarnated as your doggy. okay that that feels good yes
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm a big believer in what feels right And, and you you know you reminded me when i was little my mom was very christian bible you know by the book kind of a thing and When I was little, something she would preach to me all the time, never felt right with me. And that was, you know, one life. And if you don't meet Jesus, you don't go to heaven. And I thought Mm. that doesn't sound fair to me. I was like, nope. What about that little baby there or someone in another country raised by another religion why should they be punished i was like that's not right <laughs> never settled with me i as much as she would talk to me about it i remember being you know six or seven years old saying that doesn't feel right with me i don't think that's right yeah. so when i got when i got older and my dad was the wanderer and got me to open my eyes into more of like the brian weiss you know mm-hmm. many lives many masters and all of that i then said this feels right this is what i had been struggling with
2: and it and it
1: makes me feel better so end of story (laughs) yeah
2: right exactly it makes you feel better and the feeling better is that resonance with your soul and your you know the feeling better is a love frequency and love is the most real is that is really the only thing that's real it is it is the movement of god it is you know that it, it's creation it feels like love it's the best that we can approximate so yeah when it feels right and by the way we know the difference between love and I don't know base urges or running from something in fear because right. it feels a little bit better you know what I mean like right. The, right, we, do, right, we yeah. genuinely do even whenever we step out of our trauma and we're able to observe it I think we all know that
1: yeah right well, I definitely want to make sure that we let everyone know how they can contact you, see you, listen to your stuff. You are, yes. you have services, empathic channeling on your TrishaCarrCharm.com. People can reach out to Trisha. We'll put links down in our podcast, but you also have a Mystic Arts Academy. So would you like to give a little plug on what is the Mystic
2: Arts Academy? Oh, sure. Well, yes. And I also have, um I have opened my account also for animal telepathy and healing um, one-on-one services and awesome. those services go on moratorium for periods of time and because I get really busy with teaching and other right. projects but I'm really excited that I do have space and I have a new calling with it right now so I'm very excited about it so I do want to talk about awesome. it and give that invitation for both kinds of services working one-on-one okay. with people and working with okay. animals as well uh, anyway uh Mr. Guards Academy is uh, is my it's a kind of a passion project it's my experimental esoteric uh, really for me it's cutting edge, and so we I have had it going for since 2018 I think. And it's uh, twice monthly workshops that are about for for people who are wanderers, who are seekers who uh, you know are really like digging into spiritual uh, opening up and digging in in different ways so they're they're very all of the class all of the workshops they're two times per month they're they're channeled i mean that's what i would say so that means i sit down and i'm when i'm going to plan the schedule and i'm like what are the workshops and i will get a name and a description i I don't sometimes even know what the heck that means (laughs) (laughs) and then i'll be like sometimes but sometimes they require research so sometimes there's actually some you know i do outlines and stuff like that but sometimes i sit down do that and they're like Nope, none of your business, not until the day. <laughs> right. Wow. I, I'm being silly, but it, it does kind yeah. of feel that way. Like I, when and then when I go back and read the description, I'm like, wow, I don't even know what that means. I still like I don't know what it means exactly because it's channeled. So then I show up yeah, right. and it's very exciting. And um, so sometimes I do get a little bit of an outline for it. Sometimes I do need to research a little piece of something, but sometimes it's just a straight up channeled event. So. That is like sometimes we have, well, one that we had this past uh, season was Lemurian unicorns. And I was like, oh, right. It ended up being a lot about Lemuria and and then also how the unicorns were helping us with that. Um, But the one that's upcoming, like currently as we're recording this, is called Metatron on the Metaverse. And I'm very excited about that because messages about the Metaverse have been coming up lately for me, and I've been learning about it. But i don't know a lot about it yet and so metatron who archangel metatron will be channeling us uh, ways that we we will be you know like kind of the new paradigm and the new human and uh what we're doing you know how to prepare us for it and if you're not familiar with the metaverse the metaverse is it's basically a technology term that we're we're having a lot of blockchain we're having it's that's why facebook changed its name to Meta. Right. I was just <laughs> gonna say Zuckerberg wants to own it. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, with virtual reality and the blockchain right. technology and, and cryptocurrency right. and NFTs and all of that. That's just right. like it's it's a place where everything it's a virtual reality world. And you're like, wait, aren't we already doing that? I mean, like with yeah. the internet, also with this meat suit that I'm wearing, it's like a virtual reality. Right. Right. <laughs> there you go. That's so new. I don't know. there's a lot of things afoot and I think we've been feeling it for a while and I think the pandemic was definitely a catalyst to it so yeah we're gonna we're gonna learn about it and um but yeah that's what Mystic Arts Academy is and you can either drop into a workshop or you can subscribe and come twice per month and it's really rad that's awesome that's amazing (laughs) do you want to go back and plug a little more on what
1: you're doing now with your animal therapy and healing or animal telepathy and healing
2: oh that's fine people can read it's it's pretty detailed on my website both the empathic channeling which is if you go and read I we could possibly talk about your, you know whatever your soul blueprint is pulling through that's a service It's it's an all inclusive service of healing intuitive insight if mediumship is appropriate but it's usually multi-dimensional mediumship meaning like if you need to talk to Archangel Michael he's going to step forward that kind of stuff and um, also your interdimensional lineage like your ET star race lineage if that's appropriate and just like what's going on in your life so that's empathic channeling and then animal telepathy and healing is uh, communicating with animals directly telepathically but also animal mediumship and then yeah are healing modalities blended into all of it great awesome I love it I want to tell you about Shine Academy, too. Oh, And that's yes, mine. Yes. You, mine and Crystal Ann Compton's platform, educational platform. And we have, uh, for example, we have a workshop this weekend that at the time that we're recording this, but we have these intensive programs that help people to develop and open their intuitive abilities. Our intuitive intensive is our cornerstone program. We've already done it this year, but just to give an example, we have like a channeling intensive coming up. Oh, it's amazing. It's so great. So. <laughs> Anyway, that's that light awesome. Academy.
1: <laughs> awesome. I love it. I I've been to one yeah. of your workshops. It's absolutely wonderful for anybody who's curious, wants to check it out, or just to reach out to Trisha Carr for her personal services as well, because it definitely helps to believe and feel that our loved ones go on and it can be incredibly healing. Mm.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Really great work again. Thank you for this
1: that's it for today thanks for listening we'd love to hear from you so email us at trisha.misty.tm at
0: gmail.com our podcast surviving death and dying is available worldwide on apple spotify google iheart amazon audible listen facebook youtube and more
1: You can also go to our website, survivingdeathanddying.com, where we have links to the books we talk about. So please like, share, subscribe, and follow.
0: We did it again. We survived death and dying. Another episode, because we believe life and love never dies.